Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Today, and thank God for all those that have served. 16.1 million. You know what that number is? That's the number of, think about that, 16.1 million. That's the number of men and women who served during World War II. 6.8 million during the Korean War. 9 million during Vietnam. 700,000 during Desert Storm. 160,000 through the time in Iraq. And 100,000 in Afghanistan. People who served, many who volunteered, went to do what we could not do, went to serve in our stead, in our place. There's a call for us to understand what it means to live our lives as servants. This is not a passage that you would normally think of when you think about what servitude is all about, but is the very basis of what the passage that we just saw in Colossians chapter 1 that Jeff just shared with us, it's a message for us to understand who we are, that we would be sharing, that we would be proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. It's what we talked about in Sunday school class this morning in Rick's class. We talked about the call that is ours for each one of us to proclaim the good news and then to recognize where that power comes from, where that relationship we have, the ability for us to serve, the ability for us to share, comes through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Not because of what we do, but again, because of what God has done for us. And that is the hope that is ours. That is the life that is ours. It is a lasting life that can never be taken from us. And that hope comes to us through the body of Jesus Christ and his life. And the last thing that Paul shares with the, churches in, the church in Colossae is a pretty simple message. This isn't easy. It's not easy. There's nothing easy about it. It's difficult. And it costs us to be a part of what God has in store for the world. It costs those men and women who have served our nation all these years. It costs them time. It costs them Life, it costs them those things that they, they sought to do themselves for something bigger than they were, something better. That's the same message that Paul seeks to share with us this morning about what it means for us to understand God's call for our lives. That we would understand the message of salvation comes to us at a cost, at a price. It's difficult for us to deal with those issues, but the message is pretty simple for us. We think about those who have strengthened themselves, who prepared themselves, and who have shared through the involvement of their lives the message of freedom that is ours as the nation of the United States of America, but more importantly, the message that you and I are called to share as believers of the hope and the freedom that is ours in Jesus Christ that we would demonstrate that, that we would live that, and we would show that message. In Ephesians 6, chapter, verse 7, uh, this is what Paul says to the believers. 
He calls us to recognize what it means to serve. And he says in Ephesians 6, 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men. That when we serve, we serve as ambassadors of Christ, as we serve as believers, sharing that message of what it means for us to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't understand it. There was a Roman centurion over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said is probably the best example of what we understand real servitude to be. He says this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 9, the centurion says to Jesus these words, I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes. I tell this one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does that. There's a message that's there, and Jesus says later in that passage these words. He says, in all Israel, there's no one who truly understands what it means to be in service than this man. Because he understands what it means to yield your life to the rule of someone else. The message of God's love is pretty simple. The message of salvation is difficult for us to grasp and for us to hold on to because it's sometimes hard for us to see what real servitude is about. But we'll close this morning with a message that Jesus shared with his disciples trying to help them better understand what real servitude is about. It's when we are willing to yield our desires to meet the needs of someone else. Christ seeks to show that and demonstrate that in our, in our lives every day. And Paul shares with the church in Colossae this message. The first thing he shares with them is a message of what it means to see the strength that is in their lives because of what God has done for them. All recruits in the United States military begin their service undergoing the services branch of whether it's boot camp or whether it's basic training, they all do it. Some of the branches of service have expectations that are a little higher than others. I won't mention who claims that. I'm sure that if I asked for a show of hands, there would be all kinds of different opinions that we'd get. But it doesn't make any difference whether it's the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, Air Force. It doesn't make any difference. The message is the same, that we have to be prepared for the job that we have ahead that we have to be willing to yield our desires to the desire of the branch of the service that we have. It's interesting, I was never in the military, but I understand the principle of what that relationship that many of you have set up front this morning understand. The loyalty, the relationship you have with the unit of which you're a part, that is the basis of what that relationship begins. It, it doesn't just stop there though, it doesn't stop with that small group. It goes on to the branch of the service. And so you have, that's the reason they have the Army-Navy football game, right? Because there's that competitiveness that we see lived out. But the message behind that is that there is a responsibility that we have, but it is not to the branch of the service that we served. It's not to the, the, the men or women that we served with, but there's something broader. Everyone who has been in that position of service in the United States has said these words at some time. I, and you put your name right there, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign 
and domestic, that I will bear true and faithful allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Every one of the men and women who were before you this morning said those words. And that commitment, that relationship is bound up in what they recognize as something larger than the whole. That relationship is about serving this nation. Paul tells us that our relationship is about serving the Savior who died on Calvary's cross for us. That we recognize that we don't do this for a smaller group. We don't do this for the church. We do this for the world. Because the call that is ours is to be proclaiming that message of Jesus Christ. If you see that passage in First, Coloss first Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, look at the very first verse. It's very clear of what that message is about. That you and I have been called for one purpose as believers. And that is to proclaim. The word in the Greek almost means to shout out that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Lord of our lives. That people would not only see it, Sunday school class, but they would hear it from us. That if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, what does Paul tell us? You shall be saved. Because of that profession, because of that relationship, what Jesus has done for us is the message that we proclaim to a world that is lost. Many who are a part of the body, we saw that in our Sunday school lesson this morning, didn't we? Who say what? Lord, Lord, Sing the songs, know the words, open the Bible, teach the lesson, preach the sermon. Hmm. Don't truly understand what it means for us to understand that we have yielded our lives to the Savior completely. That we know, just like that Roman centurion do, did, that wherever he sins, what? I'll go. Whatever he says, I'll do. Why? Because we serve the Master. We serve the Savior who gave his life for us. We serve that Lord with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, with everything we are because of God's love for us and the way that he has demonstrated that. But the proclaiming doesn't stop there. There's another word that he uses, two other things he tells us that you and I are to do, to be about in that passage. Look at it again. Admonishing. He says, admonishing and teaching everyone. What's it mean to admonish someone? Here you go. It's hard to imagine a major flood in Evansville, but 1934, is that right? 37, thank you very much for all you old as Evansvillians, right? Every city, every street in the city of Evansville was flooded. Imagine now that there's a street down, there you go, a road crossing Pigeon Creek, and you know that the bridge is out. I don't think that really happened. You know that that bridge is gone. It's not there. And you live right next door to that bridge. You have a responsibility to those folks who are in Evansville, Indiana, to do one thing. 
to admonish, to warn people, hey, the bridge is out. You're going to die if you go across, try to go across this bridge because the bridge isn't there anymore. What you put your faith in, what you put your hope in is gone. Our world puts their faith and their hope in all kinds of things. Paul is admonishing the church in Colossae to tell those people, to tell those individuals that they are going to be gone and gone forever if they follow the road that they're on right now. Broad is the road to destruction. Narrow is the gate to life. We are called to admonish those people that we are a part of, that they might understand and see in our lives as we share with them what this is all about, what worship is about, what Sunday school is about, what being a believer is all about. It's about taking the life that God has given us and yielding it to Him completely, and in doing so, sharing that message with people that don't have the hope that you and I have. The message of God's love is also to be taught. That's what Paul says. Do you see it right there in that first verse in 28? It's pretty simple. Admonishing and teaching. We are called to teach. Jesus called us to teach in Matthew 28. Ron, I'd ask you to quote that this morning if you would. Would you please stand up and quote that passage? Don't do it. That's okay, Ron. I won't put that pressure on you. He could. The message is pretty simple. And teaching them to obey all things I have taught you. Everything I taught you. Christ calls us to teach one another. Why? So we understand everything. I would ask this question of you this morning. Do you understand everything that's happened in your life? Do you understand everything that the Bible says? If you do, come see me after the worship. Pray up here first. Come see me and you help me because there's lots of stuff I don't understand. How do we come to understand that? How do we come to understand what God has given us, the truth that God has given us? It's pretty simple, isn't it? We rely on the preacher because he has all the answers and knows everything that needs to be known. I'm looking, several of you are going like this already. You've known me too long, haven't you? This is the source. This is where we go to for the truth. This is where we go to for the life. This is where we go to to understand what it means to know God's promises. And we measure everything against what we do and what we say against this. This is God's truth for us. This is God's life for us. And it comes to us through the one that this book proclaims. And that is Jesus Christ, Lord of all. That we would understand what it means to yield our lives to him. That we would understand what it means to give those hearts that he desires to him. That we might serve him faithfully. And the only way we can do that is by giving our hearts and our lives to Him. That's what service is all about. Yielding our lives to the Savior who gave His life for us. That we might share that message. That we might share that hope. That we might be able to share with the world what it means to know Jesus Christ personally. I'm, I have a lesson for you. 
Turn, we're not going to do the whole thing uh, this morning, Jim. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to write these passages down. Colossians, we're going to do it. Never mind. Let's see. I'll make it quick. I am going to do it. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Look what it says. He is the image of the invisible God. Who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. Look at John 14, 9. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you understand that? What was Jesus telling Philip? He says, You've been with me such a long time. Don't you get it? Don't you understand it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But this description continues. Look at the rest of verse 15. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, and things in heaven, things in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all, thing were, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Write this passage down if you don't have it. That is John 1.1. 1, 1. Does this sound familiar? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. You see that? What Paul is telling us comes directly from Jesus' words on who he was and what he did. Everything we see, we see in Jesus Christ who was there at the very beginning. And he is there through our lives because of his love for us. <clears throat> Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many different parts. And though not all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. He is the head. He is the, not the preacher. Christ is the head of the body. Christ is the one that guides us. Christ is the one who leads us. Uh, in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that everything might have supremacy, that Jesus Christ is the firstborn. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. Praise God. Do you see this description? Do you understand why this is so important? I wasn't going to do this, but this is the essence of what the message is that we're called to share. This is the message that you and I are to proclaim every day, our, day, day of our lives, that the world would see that. He's been raised from the dead. That's the message in 1 Corinthians 15. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The message is pretty simple, that we would demonstrate that message and understand that Christ is here with us. And finally, verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Do you understand what the message is there? How do we have the peace of God in our lives? The message is pretty simple. 
by recognizing it's not what we do. It's not about coming to worship service. It's not about teaching a Sunday school lesson. It's not about doing things for the church. It is about recognizing that everything that we have comes to us through the Father. And it came to us through His Son, who yielded His life and died on Calvary's cross for our sins. Servitude is about recognizing what it means to yield about recognizing what it means for us to give our lives. That's a hard thing for us to do. None of us like to do that. Yield signs mean nothing to people in the city of Evansville. Stop signs mean nothing to the people of Evansville, Indiana. God calls us first to yield, and then he calls us to stop. And what do we do? We do what we want to because we know where we're going, and we want to get there quicker. It's not easy in a world that's fallen, for us to be where God would have us be. We admonish and we teach and we share. Colossians 1.28, one more time. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And where does that wisdom come from? It comes from years of study at seminary. It comes from Sunday school teachers telling us, oh, is that right? Where's the wisdom come from? The wisdom comes directly from God himself through his Holy Spirit as he yields to us an understanding of what he'd have us do. There's not one of us in this room that already doesn't know what we're supposed to be doing. If we're not a believer, if you're not a believer here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Paul talks about that in that first chapter of the book of Romans. None of us are without excuse. None of us have an idea when we look around and see the world that's around us that there's not a God that's designed us and put this and put us in a place where we have a decision to make to follow him we are without excuse and yet what do we do we go the same way that the world goes there's the Sunday school lesson again right there's that broad road we're headed right down it with all the other lemmings the world calls us lemmings they think our faith is not founded upon our understanding of what God's Word said. And so we just simply follow the crowd. You take a look at your life this morning. Who is it that you follow? Who is it that you're following? Is it some politician who leads you and calls you to do and think and say the same thing he thinks? Is it a preacher that endears you with his tremendous stories, all the things he tells about, and the illustrations that he uses. No. It's all about understanding what God has done for us. He gave Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. That if we trust him, if we yield our lives to him, that in him we have eternal life. And when does it come to us? When we die? No. We are living resurrected lives. If we are believers today, now, in this time, in this place, because salvation has come to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we've yielded our lives to him. Have you yielded your life? Is Christ living through you and what you say and what you do? The message is pretty simple. It's pretty obvious if you've not done so. That's what Paul talks about in this purpose. Do you see it? Look at that last part of verse 28. Let me read the whole thing. It doesn't make sense without it. 
We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone to Christ as perfect. How many perfect people do we have here this morning? Don't raise your hand this time. We did that last time when I asked about sinners. I don't want to put you in that shape again. I'm here to tell you that if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a perfect person. That perfection comes not through what you do, but through what Christ has done for you. Years ago, I had a friend. This is a clean one. I made sure I got a clean one this morning. He explained it to me this way. This is Bob. This is God. God can't stand the sin in my life. He's a holy God, a righteous God, and that sin that's in my life separates from me, from him. Keeps me from coming to him. Keeps me from having a personal relationship with him. But over 2,000 years ago, he sent his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for my sins. There's a change that came to a 10-year-old boy when he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And my life was covered by the blood of Jesus. Same Bob, you see him in there? Same Bob, same God. What's the difference? When God looks at me now, he sees the blood sacrificed for me, covering me, covering those sins that are mine. And one thing I'm called to do, believers, this morning, every one of us who are believers and have been for years and years, we are still sinners, but we are sinners saved by grace. And there's one way we handle those problems, those difficulties, those times we fail. What do we say? What do we do? Father, forgive me. Forgive me, Father, for what I've done. That we recognize the sin that's in our lives, we acknowledge it, and we recognize there's only one who can take that sin away from us. And that's the Father who has given his Son for our lives. That is what it means for us to have that wisdom, that we understand that truth. And it may be you're here this morning, and it's hard to understand. I still don't understand it. Why would God send his son to die for me? Who am I that God would do that? He is a God that loved me so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him, Bob Fulkerson might be saved. That's the wisdom. That's the understanding. So how do we deal with it? Paul finishes up with these words, this message of what it means for us to understand that we exercise what we have. Look at verse 29 in Colossians chapter 1. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within me. What's Paul telling us there? That word labor is exactly what you think it might be. It's interesting when you think about it, what it means. The word in the Greek means to strike or to beat. You know, when Karen was in labor for 72 hours with our son Matthew, 45 years ago, how, how long was it, Karen? See, she doesn't even remember. Knocked it all out of her head. 
But it seemed like it was 72 hours. I don't know. It seemed like, it seemed like forever. You know what she did? She struck me and she beat me. All right. I can still experience that. I can still feel that. Why did she go through that? It's hard, ladies. I, I couldn't do it. Okay. Men, you couldn't do it either. But thank God for those ladies that do. Because if it weren't for them, none of us would be here. That is the message that Paul is trying to have us understand. That we know what it means to be in agony. That's, it's kind of cool when you think, you know what that word is in the Greek? I, this is really hard. I know a little bit of Greek, just a little bit. Agonisma. What does that sound like to you? The message is, it is agony for us to understand. That's what Paul says. It's agony for us to go through these difficulties. But what is the end result? What do you see? What do you know? There's a change that comes, isn't there? And that change lives up now in Connecticut. That baby that I held in my hands after Karen gave birth is the same baby, the same son that God shared with me so many years ago. It's hard. There's nothing easy about this relationship. If you're here this morning and you're having all kinds of problems and you think, Lord, take care of my problems. Get rid of them. I don't want to deal with them anymore. I'm going to give them all to you. I'm going to trust you and everything is going to be just fine. Ask Don and Carolyn Crow about that. You ask Simon, Leon about that. You can ask any number of people in this building this morning about what it means to go through trials and agony. And God reminds us of what it means for us to trust him with everything we have in our lives. That the world would know that we are his because of our yielding our lives to him. This morning, God calls each of us to recognize what it means to be a servant. Christ demonstrated that when he washed those disciples' feet. He said this to them, Now that I, your Lord and Master, have done this for you, blessed are you if you do it for one another. You want the world to see what Grace Baptist Church is about? You serve one another the way Christ served those disciples. You want to see a change come in the city of Evansville? You serve Christ and you serve others through the gift that God has given you. The gifts, all those gifts. And you proclaim that message of Jesus Christ. And you admonish and warn people that without him you are destined to a life separated from that love. If you think there's no love in the world today, the day is coming when there'll be absolutely no world love in this world. There'll be no giving. There'll be no sharing. The opportunity is ours to make that decision today. That's God's call for you. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no time in your life where you've ever done this. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. This is an opportunity for you to make that decision and say, Lord, 
I yield my life to you. I give my heart to you, and I trust you, and I trust the truth of the love that you have for me, and I trust Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You know, you rest assured, believer, that if you said those words and believe those, you are a part of the body of Christ, and nothing can ever separate you from that relationship. Heights, depths, principalities, things present, things to come, doesn't make any difference. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank God for that blessing and for that life and for what it means to have a servant Savior. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the Savior who gave his life for us. We thank you, Father, for what it means for us to know that Jesus has demonstrated the kind of love that he expects from each one of us. You help us, Father, to follow his leadership in our lives. You help us to yield more and more of our lives every day. You help us to ask for forgiveness for the sins that we continually commit. And Father, if we're continually committing something, there's a call for us to stop, ask for forgiveness from you, and then turn around and head a different direction, straight to you, straight to your arms. Father, forgive us for the failures that are ours. Father, help us to trust you more implicitly with everything we are and everything we have. And Father, we'll give you the glory for the wonderful things you do. For we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.